Do you like the great outdoors? Are you or are you looking to be a master bow hunter, king of the hill in archery? You're in the right place. Welcome to Bow Hunter Planet. It's the Bow Hunter Planet podcast, recorded live in the BHP Studios, Detroit, Michigan, with your host, Team BHP. Hello and welcome to the BowHunterPlanet.com podcast. It's myself, Dave Thomas, along with Kevin Conlon and Bob McGee. And uh, tonight we have a very special guest, um, uh, the owner and co-founder of Cryptech. Um, uh, this man uh, knows what he's doing here with Camo. <laughs> Mr. Butch Whiting. Butch, how are you, man? I'm good, Dave. Thanks for having me. Yes, how are thank, you guys? thank you for being on. We're doing great. Um, you know, when Cryptech came out, um, for us, when we noticed it at first, it was very exciting. It looked like a lot of uh, military-type stuff, and I wasn't sure at first where it would fit in with the um, with the bow hunters of the world and all that. But obviously, fast forward a few years, here we are, and we see it everywhere. You know, it's all over bows and everything. So first off, congratulations. That's extremely exciting for you guys, and uh, and we're excited to, for you guys that it's, it's taken off so great. So. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about the brand, like how you guys came up with it and where you started? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's, you know, kind of a interesting story, to say the least. And when I look back on it, I'm actually somewhat found amazed at some of the breaks that we've had. But the cryptic brand itself, the inspiration, was really formed in a third-world shithole uh, in northern Iraq called Talafar, Iraq. And myself and the other co-founders, Josh Claycorn were serving together, um, and uh, we were flying Apache attack helicopter at the time. And I was, and uh, he's one of my junior warrant officers. Um, I think he flew probably ninety-five percent of the missions. He flew there as my wingman, and part of the deal was not only how well we worked together in the air doing missions, but also on our downtime, we would live vicariously through hunting magazines and DVDs and and basically um, just reminisce about hunting and, and daydream about how cool it would be to be in the outdoor industry. And so the concept of, you know, taking some of the experience that we had generated through multiple deployments in both Iraq and Afghanistan and bringing them to the civilian hunting market is kind of where the inspiration started. And um, I wrote a business model, about 25-page business model. And uh, the true essence of that was to spiral features and functions out of the special operations community, specifically in apparel, into the hardcore backcountry hunting market. And um, it was just a concept, nothing more. And we had a really big break in 2000. Nine and ten, we got a phone call around that time from Cabela's, and they'd gotten a copy of the uh, business model, and they were super enamored with this tactical hunting crossover and this gray area and the authenticity and credibility that we were bringing to the table. And so we entered into an exclusive with them, and the only place you could get Cryptic was at Cabela's in 2010, 11, and 12 in the first portion of uh, 2013. And when we first came out, we were actually using a camel pattern called Mothwing Mountain Mimicry. And um, that was our first break. And Cryptic just went into a hobby phase. And we were in a hobby phase for a long time where we were still on active duty or we were you know, transitioning out of the military. And I went to Alaska and did some other stuff 
for a long while, but cryptic was a hobby for a long time. And while we were in that hobby phase, there was a major solicitation that came out from the U.S. government. The Department of Defense was looking for a new family of camouflage, um, specifically for the U.S. Army. And we looked at the solicitation, and we looked at the requirements, and we already had some ideas and concepts that we'd been working on. And those were all based off of camouflage netting. Um, we saw how effective that was on the battlefield. And the concept goes all the way back to World War II. The camouflage netting's been around for a long time. Um, so we developed and accelerated some ideas of uh, taking a three-dimensional aspect when you stretch and distort that camouflage netting over a hide site, over a vehicle, or, you know, whatever it is, and applying it to a two-dimensional surface. And we really didn't have anything to lose, and so we made sure we crossed all the T's and dotted all the I's and hit all the specifications, and um, we submitted to uh, the Department of Defense, and then went through this extremely rigorous testing for the better part of uh, a couple of years, actually. But the first phase of the testing... Um, they uh, took 900 soldiers over the period of one year, and they would put them in a room, and they would put a, a big um, picture on the wall through a screen, um, like on a Proxima or on, on a TV screen. It was pretty sizable, and they had another picture inside of that of a two-scale silhouette of a man with regardless of what terrain, whether it might be a shot of a valley or a shot of a jungle or a shot whatever, and they measured in microseconds with these, this halo device that dropped down and tracked the retinas, how long it took them to acquire the target. And that's how they down-selected to the final four companies that went into the phase two testing for the military. And uh, that was probably one of the biggest breaks we had because Cryptic was literally just a concept. A couple guys with their laptop computers just gotten out of the military. In fact, Claycorn at that time was still in the military and we were competing against uh, literally billion-dollar companies, and we came out on top of, uh, wow. of cool. that competition. It reminds so, me of the movie War Dogs. That's the first thing I was going with this. I was like, you got a contract? <laughs> what? I'm like, this is getting dangerous. I don't know what's about to happen here, but I, I was my mind was going that direction for a split second there. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the thing is, though, that the camouflage – um, it was developed really for naked eye acquisition for force on force, and then also visually enhanced acquisition for near peer competitors. So, really, to you know, fool the human eye, and um, and then it just translates well into the hunting market when you're, you know, really you're going after tier one ungulates, you know, pronghorn or sheep or something that's super super keen. But uh, at the end of the day, it's extremely effective and. And the patterns that we developed, uh, initially, we developed the three primary patterns for the three major regions of the world, and that was Nomad for the desert environments or arid environments, Highlander, which is transitional environments and makes up 70% of terra firma in the world, and then Mandrake, which is for woodland or jungle. And then out of that, we've developed now since a whole raft of other patterns but the macro and the micro pattern remain the same. And, um, you know, one of the things that we did throughout the development of our camouflage was we kind of did it reverse from what some of the legacy classic hunting camos that you're used to or we all grew up with. Um, we started at 400 meters because that's the max effective range of a 5.56 round. 
and we actually pulled that back in um, and stopped at 10 meters. Whereas some of the legacy brands uh, on the hunting market, they'll, they start at what I call shelf appeal. They start at 48 inches, and they design those camouflage patterns to be effective, you know, basically for how good it looks on the shelf. Uh, when you go into the store, you see it firsthand. But then you start to run into a whole lot of problems once you get out past a certain distance, and some of them become blobbed and, and really ineffective. So it was a different approach with regards to the macro and the micro patterns, and it wasn't really designated or designed for shelves of hill. And it was based off a simple proven concept that started all the way back in World War II that is the most effective passive concealment measure on the battlefield next to a ghillie suit. Um, and then we just started to get a lot of lift on the hunting side because I think that, you know, hunters appreciate the concealment aspect as well, and they, they got to see for themselves, um, you know, how effective it was. And so we're the only hunting camouflage, I should say we're the only camouflage in the hunting market that's been extensively tested the tune of about $10 million by the U.S. Department of Defense and also selectively used now in special operations, both uh, U.S. Army uh, uh, Special Warfare and also Navy Special Warfare and Coalition Special Warfare as well. So anyway, that was a major, major break for us, a huge break for us in in the life cycle and history. And, And then you continue to fast forward start to get more and more traction and basically when i get asked hey how old is cryptic well in 2014 the beginning of 2014 we jettisoned everything else we were doing and we said we're going to do this full time um and so even though there's a longer story there um, <laughs> yeah, sure. a lot of a lot of time was spent in hobby phase these uh i'll tell you what butch the 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 camels work very well i mean I'm looking at the picture right now, and I'm, I'm just thinking in my head, like, looking at the new altitude. I'm looking at that picture you guys have on your website, and um, it's almost like the the outfit's like a chameleon or something. Like, it just matches the background. And so I can see, like, you could change yeah. background colors with this thing. And, you know, I understand the, yeah. the concept of breakup and, uh, you know, and shapes that, you know, take away the human outline. And I think that you guys did it really well with this, and those the different uh, breakup patterns um, look amazing on this thing. Yeah, it's kind of a two-part, you know, answer to that statement. But the first one is I get, we get the same feedback all the time. And sometimes we'll get asked, well, what pattern is that? And it's somebody wearing Highlander just in a different terrain. And it mm. pulls out the the, green, the lighter colors <clears throat> or it pulls out, you know, the greens or whatever. And that makes we'll just sense. Say it's Highlander. Um, and then, you know, the ability to take the macro and the micro pattern and put in specific colorways that are, are more dialed into um, the environment that you are going to spend the majority of your time in is, you know, where the other variants come from. And, um, you know, some of the variants are also become extremely popular in, in hunting and bow hunting, which we've never imagined in a hundred years, like Typhon, because of the popularity with uh, bow hunting out of a blind. But the, the Typhon pattern is just a psychological pattern. There is no true application for that. Um, even at night, it's not as effective as, you know, anything that there's other options to if you want to blend in at night. But the fact is, if you're in uh, a dark, concealed area and you've got some shadows, it does provide some contrast and so on. But uh, Typhon's become extremely popular, and it's done extremely well for Bowtech. 
um, by them putting them on their bows. But uh, at the end of the day, it's it, it really is a designated psychological pattern more than than anything else. It just screams, you know, badass if somebody's you know coming out of the back of a van, a slot team, or fast roping in onto a target. Yeah, it's more of a lifestyle too, right? I mean, maybe. I would bet a lot of people buy just yeah. for normal lifestyle, you know, wear. Yeah, that that's kind of like the groundswell that's in the middle of our two focus areas that we're still getting our head wrapped around, and that's the lifestyle piece. So never imagine that we'd be involved in that, but um, <laughs> that's what happens, it, man. It, it, it all takes people, off. People will get will buy cryptic wear just because they want to wear, it and it screams whatever about themselves, whether they're a shooter, or hunter, or whatever. Yeah, it's interesting, and there's been a major, major groundswell we classify it in the lifestyle market for fishing with our patterns. We have water patterns that I'm sure you're aware of and stuff. And we never, we never imagined that. So we're still figuring that out as we go, but the true fiber of the company and the true essence is, you know, the, the warrior ethos is important. We're doing on the tactical side, but then we're just wicked ultra passionate hunters as well. Yeah. And, um, that's the coolest thing about what we've got going is that uh, we're able to enjoy you know, the true passions of our life, which is, which is the outdoors and hunting. And then it's also, you know, a, a sustainable business model now that's, you know, taking care of our families as well. So it's, I keep it's looking cool. at the patterns besides the hunting, I'd love to do my truck in it, but I'm afraid I'd walk away from it and never find it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, you know, it's, it's an interesting point, man, is that if you Google cryptic, cars or cryptic vehicles it's amazing to see what is actually getting decorated in cryptic i'm talking like lamborghinis ferraris oh. audi 8 um Jeez. there's one of the coolest ones that i like is a a uh, earth roamer out of colorado which is an expeditionary truck and it's like seven hundred fifty thousand dollars yeah i've know. seen it so <laughs> some of this stuff these ferraris and stuff man i mean you would never see Somebody on their own accord with good judgment wraps <laughs> and camouflage. So, yeah, our, we run our vehicles are decorated in cryptic. I've got Raid and Claycorn's got Tyson. And, and uh, yeah, it gets silly. I'm You're going down the road and people are taking pictures and hanging out and stuff. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't want to do my vehicle, period. And I went on a bow hunt in New Mexico for elk. And uh, my wife gave my keys to Justin, our right-hand man, and he got it wrapped while I was gone. And I came back, and it was kind of like it was done, right? <laughs> so, so, so now I have to park it, like you know, try it somewhere, fake, fake, <laughs> fake park it, and have a ride to the real trailhead that I'm going up or whatever, you know, <laughs> kind of throw folks off because it's kind of hard to hide. I mean, yeah, the, you'd, uh, think, you'd think you could just park it out there, but people people see it, so. The, uh, I, I, it's funny cause I was at work one day and I'm walking around and, um, I work in a big business environment and, uh, I see a guy walking by with an Inferno jacket on. <laughs> I'm like, what the heck? Yeah. Like a Cryptek Inferno in here. I'm like, that's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. And I, I keep trying to like, every t- every once in a while I see this person wearing it, I got to like go up to him. I'm like dying to find out and be like, Oh, uh, do you like Cryptek? You know, I want to ask these questions. I'm like, who wears that in a business environment? Yeah. It was hilarious. You know, the blaze orange one of it is the top-selling um, colorway in the hunting market, believe it or not. And, it, and it, a lot of it comes out of that Midwest up to the Northeast section and how they hunt and you know some of the deer drives and things they do. And 
So that Inferno case has actually got traction into all kinds of areas, once again, moving into lifestyle that you would never see, um, you know, another combination sticks and leaves type camo and blaze orange go into. And um, there's, you know, initial talks right now about it becoming like the, the colorway for Deadliest Catch coming up next wow, year cool. uh, when they go to film it. So, you know, you still get the high-vis piece of it, but you also get the cool factor, I guess. But that's it's definitely the bizarre aspect about the brand is and something that we'll take for sure, and I'm glad it's there. But, you know, it's that, I guess, that cool factor slash lifestyle that you brought up and mentioned. And, uh, yeah, if guys are wearing that around, town and going to dinner and, <laughs> and whatever I, I mean that's fine too. your market's so, opened up to all these so. different areas man you didn't even realize <laughs> you're going to be in the yeah. boardroom pretty soon yeah yeah right. yeah even the yeti man but, the uh, yeti's sweet too i mean i you know we've been talking about it here we've been dying to get um get some uh predator hunting going and uh and get the yeti out there you know and i i to me, like this is the perfect, you know, if you're predator hunting and, and we're, we live in Detroit and Michigan area here, I should say it wrong. We live in Michigan in the Detroit region here. And uh, a lot of the uh, hunting we do obviously is Midwest type hunting, tree stand, uh, but we have a lot of snow. So <laughs> one of the things this yeah. Yeti would be perfect for that, you know, and trying to sit on the ground and hunt predators. I think it'd be perfect for that. Well, the, the Yeti pattern is the only snow camouflage that's ever been used by Navy Special Warfare and Army Special Warfare at the exact same time. Wow. And the the overwhites were the, the same. The only thing that was different between their two ensembles was the gator material. We have a set of Yeti overwhites for the commercial market, super popular for the predator hunting and, and bird hunting. Um, for bow hunting, the acoustic signature is the, is the issue. Um, it's not it's basically just not the material is not really the type of material you need for you know bow hunting and so there's some initiatives that are in play right now um to bring some other tricot type materials in like our aegis extreme that's got a great acoustic signature if you're a bow hunter real quiet and do those in yeti um that's the only hold up i've got with uh, our current selection so to speak is yeah uh, is the uh, the acoustics behind it, which, as you guys know, as bow hunters, is extremely important. Um, and rifle hunters, they don't really care so much, if at all. But uh, it becomes a, a primary consideration and concern. And we try to keep that in mind with all of our gear and all of our apparel. And we spot, you know, been talking about camo, uh, you know, so far. But the rest of the collection and gear is just, you know, that's just a paint job. And so what really matters is what's underneath the paint job. What are What's underneath the hood? Are you driving a red Ferrari or are you driving a red Pinto? <laughs> and, um, yeah. and at the end of the day, we do, we do try to be very, very cognizant with our gear because we are bow hunters. We're also rifle hunters, you know, we're predator hunters, we're bird hunters, all that. But um, we, we have had some pretty killer pieces that we've killed just because this, the acoustic signature was too high in our opinion. Um, and when you get back into the Yeti piece right now, that solution is uh, something that's on the drawing board for sure to have an ensemble that's uh, going to be, you know, suitable for a guy that wants to do spot and stock or tree stand hunting and, you know, however, whatever, just uh, yeah. in the Yeti pattern. We've been using a lot of the Highlander. I mean, is that something you're seeing out of the Midwest too, or do you think the Mandrake works better for tree stand hunting? But I know a lot yeah. of the guys here, we've been using the Highlander without issue. 
yeah, Highlander is by far the most effective pattern that we have in the collection and the versatility. I shouldn't say effective, but it you will get more traction because of the diversity out of Highlander than the other patterns. Um, Highlander was the pattern, the primary pattern that the U.S. government was focused on as well, which was, again, they called it the transitional pattern. But out here uh, in the Rockies, Highlander crushes it and uh, is phenomenal, um, does extremely well. And I would say, you know, really the only time you start to get delineation where guys should probably think about switching to Mandrake is when you hit the coastal region and you're, you know, hunting and super, super green, lush environments and ferns and that type of thing. Gotcha. But having, having spent a lot of time bow hunting out of tree stands in the Midwest and even in the South when I was in the military station in Kansas and Kentucky and um, Alabama, uh, you know, during that time when leaves start to turn and rut starts to come on, I mean, Highlander's ideal. It's, it's a perfect pattern for, for those types of conditions. If you're going to be spring turkey hunting and you want to crawl underneath a tree, we've also had very good luck with that. But, you know, a lot of that it's also more about the aspect of how you feel individually, how you're, you know, blending in versus, you know, what your prey sees and what the prey is going to, how they're going to respond. And there's so many other factors you get into the, you know, scent control and noise and like we were talking about and stuff like that. But, yeah, Highlanders by far uh, for North America, in my personal opinion, uh, the lower 48 is, uh, you know, super exceptional. You know, Butch, I had a question. Uh, Bob and I did some uh, some uh, mule deer hunting out in South Dakota, and I personally uh, enjoy wearing, like, the ghillie suit type thing because, you know, you get the temperature range and you can kind of put whatever you want underneath. And I was just wondering, what kind of uh, feedback have you been getting bow hunting with a ghillie suit if that's, uh, you know, is there entanglement problems yeah. or anything like that or yeah so well first of all i'll tell you that when i said camouflage netting is one of the best passive concealment uh, measures on the battlefield well the, the best is a ghillie suit but it's extremely cumbersome and it's when it gets wet it's terrible to work with and they can also be extremely hot um, when it comes to bow hunting, it's all about how you're hunting. If you're hunting with a recurve or you're hunting with uh, a compound and, you know, how you're going to get cluttered up in your cables or you're going to get a clean, smooth shot. Um, I know guys that hunt in ghillie suits. I personally don't hunt in a ghillie suit, but I know guys that do. And I think you really need to tailor your gear to work for your your shooting style and your shooting conditions and the, and the scenarios you might find yourself in, but you do run the risk of, you know, getting some of these, um, pieces of material that are a part of the outfit in your cams or in your cables or, you know, you know, who knows what interrupting the, the, the stream flow and that type of thing. So, it's just a matter of, you know, practicing with it if you, if that's something you want to do. And if you're doing spot and stock in South Dakota for mule deer and you're really wanting to utilize uh, a ghillie suit, you just need to practice with it and make sure that you can shoot from a number of different positions and know how that fabric's going to lay, you know, one way or the other or if you got plenty of clearance. And 
you're not smashing into it or, or getting tangled in it. Uh, I'll settle this right now, Butch. Uh, I'll send you a video later, and you'll see that these guys are not wearing a ghillie suit <laughs> West this year. No, I, they, I they almost <laughs> died just from walking. Bob comes back from trying to shoot a mule deer. He's like, I ain't never doing that again. Let's go home. He's sweating and dying so much. That ain't going to happen. We In fact, out, you should just not wear any clothes. And no, do it. Kevin and I figured out that that <laughs> is something we should have done 30 years ago. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm telling you right now, when yeah. you see that video, you're going to die. He's like, he's like, why am I even doing this? <laughs> <laughs> he would look like he's gonna have a heart attack. So, Butch, how's your hunting season going? A little swap of gears here for a second. How's your how's your season going, or what do you got coming up? Yeah, so I had some great news here a couple weeks ago, and um, I drew a big bull elk tag in Arizona along with my oldest daughter. Wow! Cool, and uh, cool. what's cool what's cool about that is that I can transfer my tag to my youngest daughter because of the way Arizona's got the rules set up. And so I'm really looking forward to that. Um, the uh, At the end of the day, I've got to cancel another hunt to make that happen that I had lined out in Colorado for mule deer. But I'd much rather um, hunt with them, spend time with them. And that's been probably one of the coolest things about, you know, this uh, this brand and, the, and this what I would call lifestyle by design is the, ability to take them hunting and experience um, some super neat things that uh, otherwise, you know, who knows, may not have been able to do had I stayed in the military or, and so on. And so I enjoy hunting with them more than I do doing anything myself. In fact, I get buck fever when I'm with them. <laughs> yeah. I tell you what, been, man. You know, I, don't, a... I haven't had that since I was like, you know, 10 years old, 11 years old myself, but uh <laughs> actually find myself getting anxious and excited and it's a lot of work dude especially when you're trying to do it on camera yeah um, oh yeah and uh you know we've been in several different scenarios and we've had some really good hunts um some great great experiences but man one specific hunt in particular with my youngest daughter was the most difficult thing i've ever done i think we set up and tear down seven different times for her to get a shot at this buck and wow. uh I literally was just like your buddies there. I was literally sweating my balls off. Um, it wasn't because it was hot and I was out of shape. It was because my heart was about to burst out of my chest. So I really I really enjoy hunting with them. And, and we're sitting back kind of waiting on other uh, draw results to come in. Um, I've got a pretty good hunt lined out uh, in August in Africa, which is uh, we're going to Bushman Safaris. Um, that's a, a big archery hunt. Um, and so we're looking forward to that and, uh, we'll adjust, you know, around that cause it's been on the books now for a couple of years, but, uh, depending on how the rest of the draws go, you know, we'll tailor left or right. And Claycorn's, he, he's got some pretty high speed hunts, uh, lined out. He'll be doing a doll sheep hunt in Alaska this year. And then also going to Tajikistan, um, for a tag along on a Marco Polo hunt. Uh, but he'll be hunting Ibex in that group. So we're kind of going a little bit different directions on our hunts, and uh, normally we hunt together as much as we can. But uh, this year with the girls drawing these tags, it's kind of, you know, That's exciting, man. Hey, them. listen, you're always welcome to come to Michigan. We get you on a real big doe real quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I just looked at Kevin you know, when we were talking about these hunts because him and Bob are retired. I said, why don't you guys go do something like this? He's like, Kevin just made the money symbol to me. 
<laughs> Too expensive all that traveling. Beach not being that big of a powerhouse. Not only that, I think it's stand. Uh, the altitude is what about eight thousand? Yeah, that'll be somewhere around eight or so. Yeah. Um, wow. We just did a hunt last <laughs> summer in <laughs> in uh, we did a hunt in Azerbaijan for tur, and I didn't even know what a tur was when it first came up. I thought they were saying turd, <laughs> trying to play a trick on me. But I started looking into it and became, you know, much more enamored into it. And we went over there, and that we were freaking, we were skying out over there. We were hunting anywhere. Eight was base camp, and we were up, you know, pretty consistently in ten. And then there was a couple times where we did some transitions and stuff, and uh, we were about eleven five, close to twelve in that range. So I take but, it uh, that is a. I take it you're doing a, a lot of training for that part of the world. I take it you're doing What's a lot. That? Of, I take it you're doing a lot of training, uh, getting in shape for you know elevation and doing that kind of hunting and stuff. Uh, you got a workout routine that you. Uh, yeah, no, we, we we should try, but I don't think that you can do really anything. There's different you know different altitude masks that you can put on and get on the treadmill, or you can go run around in the around with a mountain and stuff. But I think ultimately it's the acclimation that occurs. You go out a week early and just ground. acclimate to it really it's about spending a few days on the ground and getting acclimated um once you get to wherever you're hunting all right man well hey butch thanks for joining us on boner plant podcast uh you heard it here learn about cryptech online uh butch man great job thanks for serving in the military uh we really appreciate that and uh and this has been an awesome time for us to learn about the cryptech brand and uh hey thanks so much man we appreciate it yeah thank, hey, thank you guys yeah thanks and uh, have a great rest of the week and uh, good luck on your hunts this this year. Same All right, thank you. you. We can't we can't say enough how much we appreciate uh, you guys in the military and what you've done for us and our families. Thank you. Thank you, man. You bet. Thank you. Take Bye. care. Thanks so much for listening to the Bowhunter Planet podcast online at bowhunterplanet.com with your host, Team BHP. Check us out on Facebook at Bowhunter Planet. We'll catch you next time. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.